wherever you are right now is not where you have to be. I was worried about what other people would think. But I know there's something to be said here. That's who I am. I can't change that about myself. People see that. I know there's a story to tell. And I felt so ashamed. I was so fearful of what other people thought. I can't live like this anymore. Yeah, you guys were right. This was a bad idea. So let's dive in. The imperfection in me. No filters, no apologies, the real deal. So before I take you back in time to 2012 here, uh, I want to bring up a point if you don't already know. My fiancé, who I love so dearly, his name is Matt. You heard from him on a podcast episode earlier in this series. Um, my ex-husband, who I decided to uh, divorce, who struggled with a drug addiction, who... Um, is a big part of my narrative in becoming who I am, is also named Matt. And so I don't want to confuse anybody when I'm reading this narrative to you, but just so you know, this is an entry about my ex-husband, Matt. So here we go. January 25th, 2012. I remember when my husband and I first started building our life together. He had just ended one 11-year chapter of his life, a marriage, and aside from his new motorcycle and his 2007 Pontiac G6 convertible, the only property he had to his name was a cappuccino maker and a fondue set. So when we found a two-bedroom apartment in our town, and as soon as we moved in, we knew there was no way we were going to be able to live off of lattes and fondue for the rest of our lives. That's when his amazing parents called and asked if they could take us shopping. They provided us everything we would need in a home, Towels, utensils, pots and pans, beautiful wine glasses, kitchen knives. It was wonderful. We moved into our apartment. The only piece of furniture we had was a new brown suede couch that his parents had bought us. Slowly, over the next few months, we would hear of friends and family members getting rid of things, like a bed, a dresser set, a kitchen table. And slowly, we started to build our mismatched home. Then one day, I got a sad phone call from a close friend. Her brother went missing several months earlier, and investigators had just found him and his vehicle at the bottom of a lake a few towns over. It was extremely devastating to my friend, her family, and everyone who loved them, and the person that they had just lost. My friend was struggling to stay in the home that her and her brother grew up in. She wanted to. It was the only thing she had left of someone so dear to her. Her mother was moving out of state to live with a relative, and she was left alone with a large house that was too large of an expense. So after some talking, Matt and I decided to move out of our apartment and into her home to help pay the bills that kept my friend in the house that she grew up in. Her home was furnished, so slowly we started to get rid of the things that we didn't need. The kitchen table, the dresser, several other items. For the next few months, there we were, sleeping on our couch, the couch Matt's parents had brought us early on. Then things didn't work out. We left her home and we moved into another empty apartment, again, with only a few furnishings, everything mixed and matched. It has been three years and we still call that place home. And now, it actually looks like one. There are pictures on the wall and frames that we have chosen. There are bookshelves that we have purchased, a comforter set that was a gift at our bridal shower. 
There are closets full of things that belong to us. And there's a television set and a computer that we carefully picked out from an electronic store. Our home is ours. And even though we don't own it, we own everything inside. And that is enough for us. But in three years, you can certainly accumulate a lot of clutter. For every item behind our door, there is another one that we never use. One that is just accumulating dust and taking up space. And in a one-bedroom apartment, space is certainly hard to come by. Lately, Matt and I have been so antsy. We still have a year and a half left on our lease, but we feel so congested in our small apartment. We've been inquiring about the cost of leaving and going elsewhere. We've been looking at other places that we could potentially call ours one day. And I can't really understand why, but I've been feeling unhappy with my home. I have this feeling as if I don't want to call it my home any longer, and I don't know why. I decided it was time to get rid of things. It was time to remove the clutter. If I couldn't leave where I lived, I could certainly remove some of the things that weren't me anymore. I removed the food from the fridge that was expired. I removed the clothes from my closet that I didn't wear. I removed the bills that I no longer needed to hold on to. I packed many things in storage bins and brought them to my parents' house to keep in the basement until we had a bigger space to live in. There's still much more that has to be done. Next week, I will remove the dust from the shelves, the jewelry I do not wear, the college books I do not read, the non-perishables I will never eat. Everything will go to donation. As any apartment owner knows, you are never really done with everything that has to be done. In fact, I made a list which you can find here. Everything a young homeowner slash renter should do to declutter his or her life. I'll share it with you one day. That home could be an apartment or a studio or a house, but it's still your home and you need to take care of it. When I was finished with my two-day cleaning spree, I realized what exactly it was that made me feel so out of touch with my apartment. We had gone from having a few towels and forks to having too many possessions. And when your life is cluttered, you can't really value the things you love because they are buried underneath the things you don't need. That is exactly how I felt when I wrote this a couple of weeks ago. I wanted to rid myself of all the negative energy in my life, including the friends who weren't really friends. And that is exactly what I did with my home. I got rid of the things that served me no purpose. I got rid of the things I didn't felt belonged in our life anymore. But maybe in a few months from now, or maybe even in a few weeks, I will be looking for something of mine. I will realize I suddenly need those champagne glasses or that cooking skillet that are no longer in my apartment because I've given them away. And then I will realize that those items are gone, or they're packed away neatly in large storage boxes located in my parents' basement. You know, ridding yourself of the old and useless is a good thing. For me, it has made me feel a little more sound. But sometimes you make a mistake. Sometimes you realize you actually need the things you thought you didn't. Sometimes you forget the importance of such items or people. And then you're on a train one day pouring your heart out in an emotional article that you're writing about your mental illness. You let down your guard and your barricades and you speak the truth about your life. You open up and you're honest. And when you share it with the world, you're afraid. And then the people you have emotionally packed into boxes, the people you no longer thought you needed, they come out and support you. 
They tell you that you are strong and they tell you that you can get through that difficult time and they help you believe that to be true. And then, just like realizing you needed that skillet or that champagne glass, you realize the friends you thought you could do without in your life are the people who you really could never live without. The things in your house help build a home and those friends in your life help build you. This post is dedicated to my dear friend Paige. I was wrong to pack you away. You know that a true friend is really in you. And you were always one in my eyes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So this is really an interesting narrative. And there's so many parts here that you're probably having so many questions about. I love this. <laughs> it's so funny. It's not every day I actually read something of mine and go, oh, that was so good. <laughs> But I'm in a good mood and I really enjoyed this narrative. So I'm really smiling. I'm very proud of it. And there, like I mentioned, there's a lot of pieces to this puzzle. If you can hear the birds are chirping outside while I'm reading this to you. And it just feels like such a beautiful day. And it's funny because this article is all about packing and getting rid of things in your life. And removing the clutter so that you can make more space for what you want to receive. And I think that's really an important important message and I'm so honored to be sharing that with you guys today so let's dive into it okay so this article just to give you a little breakdown um, this article was a time in my life where I was really struggling to find my mental health I'll go into that later in probably the next episode of this podcast um, next week episodes every Monday guys um, and I was really struggling to find my happiness and my identity and sort of this uh, peace of mind and I knew in the back of my head, this is a part you guys don't know from the words that I wrote down, I knew in the back of my head that this marriage I was in, this relationship I was in was so wrong for me. And I was even so afraid to, to admit it that I wouldn't write it in these articles that I was writing to myself in these journal entries that I was keeping. I was so uncomfortable with my life that I actually couldn't even admit it to myself. But I looked around and I said, well, this home that I've built, this, you know, and I take you through this narrative where we basically had nothing. When we started our marriage, um, or started our relationship rather, and moved in together, we didn't have a single thing. And um, all, he had, all he was bringing were his cars and his <laughs> fondue set, which I don't think we've ever actually used, his cappuccino maker. I mean, it was just so ridiculous, these lavished items, and yet we had nothing that we needed. And um, over time, we built and we destroyed and we built and destroyed and then we rebuilt and we broke it down again. It was like this process of almost like every chapter of our life, we were trying to put things back together emotionally in parts of the story that you didn't hear. But with every time we were trying to rebuild our life emotionally, there was like this physical representation of like trying to rebuild our home. Because we went from having everything to nothing and everything to nothing and back and forth and back and forth. It was almost like the universe was telling me, hey, like, wake the fuck up. Like, this is not the right relationship for you. And I kept trying to make it work. And um, I had pushed a lot of people away in the process because not only was I unhappy in my relationship, but I was unhappy in my career and I was unhappy with my sense of purpose and my mental health was on such a downfall at the time I was on so many medications trying to just remain stable and healthy and I remember feeling really alone and I pushed a lot of friends away and as I became open and honest about what was really going on in my life 
friends like Paige, who I had dedicated that article to back in 2012, um, in my journal. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I'm like dedicating journal entries to people. But I did. And um, she came out of the woodwork and she supported me and she was there for me and she was so kind. And I remember thinking to myself, man, why did I box her away? Why did I think she was no good? Why did I move away from that friendship? She was incredible. Uh, she was so kind and um, reminded me. And I hadn't been friend. I'd been friends with her for a long time, but I hadn't seen her in years. And it was just a reminder to me of the journey we go on through life, where we pack people away and we decide they're no longer serving us. And then years and years later, we may open that box and say, "Holy shit, where you been?" Um. And there are a couple of things I want to dive into here on today's podcast episode because I think there are a lot of components here worth talking about. There's the idea of fitting into a life that you just know in your gut is not for you and bending over backwards to make that work and how we can recognize the signs of that. But then there's also this other component of um, the fear of making the wrong decision because I think what many of us do when we're getting rid of things or we're making decisions in our life to move forward, we doubt ourselves for fear of making the wrong choice. Let's start there, actually, because that's such an interesting topic. So my mother, um, God bless me if she ever hears this. She doesn't listen to my podcast, thank God. Um, She's a hoarder in some ways. She feels like she needs to hold on to, not a hoarder in the physical sense like you, um, maybe she's not, let's just say she's not qualified enough to be on one of those crazy, strange addiction shows. (laughs) But she does keep unnecessary items and she has a hard time parting with them. And her fear is that if she parts with this thing, what if one day she needs it? She's going to think back to herself, oh man, I wish I had that thing. Kind of like what I did with, you know, this article I was writing in the champagne glasses. When you're ridding yourself and your life of your old story, you're ridding yourself of things, um, possessions, people, emotional perceptions. I mean, anything. If you're getting rid of anything in your life, There comes a point out of fear where you start asking yourself, well, do I really want to get rid of this? Because what if I need it one day? What if I need it one day and what am I going to do? So some of us do this with physical things, right? Like we keep everything. And I tried very hard throughout my life to not be this person where I have to hold on to everything that I own for fear of never owning it ever again. But some people do do this. And they they have items, possessions, and when it comes time to get rid of them, they actually can't because they're so scared that they're going to need it. Some of us do this with people. And underlying in this article that I wrote is this big narrative of me being unhappy in my marriage and trying to make it work. Trying to hold on to something that just doesn't feel right. And we get scared. So what this narrative doesn't tell you is that for years following my marriage um actually even before my marriage I doubted my decision but then my brain went to this place of well what if I'm making the wrong choice what if I walk away and it's the wrong choice what if I walk away and I need him what if I walk away and I realize I can't find anything like him he's a -a one-of-a-kind original I cannot replace this thing I mean, that's a really scary concept. And our brains go there all the time. They go there when we decide to walk away from jobs. 
They go there when we decide to remove friendships from our life, remove things from our house, make a decision to move cross-country. What happens if this is the wrong choice and can I correct it? Am I going to be able to correct it? Am I going to regret this decision? You know, this is a huge part of what I had to go through in finding my identity and figuring out who I was. And one of the things I realized was in moments where I had a hard time parting with anything, you know, never mind people. If I had a fork I needed to throw out in the house, I was scared I would need it one day. When you hold on to things like that, it's really a reflection of this fear of, of not trusting yourself, of not trusting your future, of not trusting the universe to guide you to something bigger and better than what you have right there and now. You don't feel safe. So you hold on to everything as much as you possibly can. Hold, hold, hold. Hoping that, that you can actually make yourself safe rather than um, expose yourself to all of these other shifts in the world not knowing what's ahead or around the corner. And we do this um, because we're damaged, because we've been through some stuff. We've been through shit. <laughs> we've all been through stuff. Full disclosure, I am the last person to tell you that my story is unique. I have um, been in and out of hell, I guess you could say. Been through hell and back. But damn, I am not the only one who's been there. I am not the only one. I am one of millions, billions of people who struggle every single day to find their truth, to find their calling, to find their safety, you know. And I think that if you really sit down and you look at your own life, you could probably pinpoint a couple of areas where you know there's a decision to be made right now. You know there's a choice, but you're not making it and you're scared. And you're probably scared because you don't feel safe. A lot of people do this with money and it's really interesting to watch when people feel like in their gut they need something or they want something or they're ready to receive something but then they hit this wall of financial block and, and, and people always say like I don't have the money. It's not true. You have everything you need right now. You can find a way. Everything you have you need. Everything you need you have, right? Maybe everything you have you need too but um, when, pe when this happens, it's really because we fear that we're going to make this choice and we're going to be worse off than when we are right now in that moment of making decision. Um, you know, I did this for quite a while, even when we made decisions about moving or when I made decisions about investing to change my own life. I went to this place of, well, what if I, what if I part with, it's all about parting, right? What if I part with this money and I put it somewhere? What if I part with this this man who I, I really don't like and I put him somewhere? What if I part with this furniture that that I, I can't bring into this new place I'm going? What if I part with all of these things and then I realize I need them? What am I going to do? It's the fear mindset. It's the fear of disconnecting and leaving something and finding yourself worse off than you were before. And here's what I'm going to tell you about this. It's bullshit. It's all bullshit. If my narrative is anything to you guys, it should be proof that when you let go and, and release, you receive so much more. And that's the pattern here that's within this written work. I let go of a relationship with Paige and I came back and was flooded with love. I let go of um, 
all of my possessions to move into a new apartment with my friend and months later I sure I had to start over but I gained everything back to the point where I had too much in this article I'm trying to figure out how to get rid of things because I was so busy collecting 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 that I never had a moment to actually appreciate what I had and so that's what I'm going to say about that and I really want you guys to pay attention to this idea of learning how to let go of things that don't serve you and trusting that by with the, just by making the decision of releasing things that you're growing and evolving and becoming a better person where you will receive tenfold once you release. What you release and put out there and get rid of, you will receive back tenfold. So that's the first thing. The second thing is learning really how to recognize and differentiate between the idea of, of what serves you and what doesn't. What's just taking up space in your life versus what is really providing you love and affection. Um, I see this a lot in my clients and I saw this a lot in my own life where my life was just constantly full. It was full. I mean, I was the type of person who needed to jam-pack everything into my schedule because I never wanted to be alone. I was the type of person who always felt like I needed to be achieving something because I wasn't happy or confident with where I was in the present. So I was always striving for the next big thing. And I was the type of person where it was never enough. But it was never enough because I was just trying to take a bunch of shit and put it on top of a bunch of other shit, hoping I wouldn't see the shit at the bottom. Does that make sense? Let me maybe dig into that a little bit more so you understand. When you're unhappy with certain areas of your life, the last thing you want to do is ignore them. Because when you still ignore it, when you ignore them and you pretend they don't exist, they still take up space in your life. They still provide you with negative feelings, no matter how good you are at ignoring or pretending something isn't there. It's fucking there. And it's going to affect you. And it's going to make it so even the good stuff is hard to appreciate because you're so full of negative clutter. It's a lot to handle, right? This applies for relationships. This applies to money. This applies to life. It applies to careers. It applies to your home. When you have stuff that doesn't serve you and it's scattered around you all the time, it brings you down. It makes you feel disconnected from who you truly are. Every time I go through my house, I always try to make this a routine and I really suggest you guys do it too. Every time I go through my house, I sit with things and I ask myself, does this provide me joy? Right now, actually, as I'm sitting at my desk, I am looking at this really ugly lamp that has been in this house before we bought it. And for some reason, I didn't part with it. And it's an owl, which owls are cute. But there's no top to the lamp. It's just an owl with a big metal rod sticking out and a light bulb on top. It looks ridiculous. And it doesn't make me feel good. (laughs) As cute as this owl is, it doesn't make me feel good. And I should get rid of it. I shouldn't be keeping things in my house that don't make me feel good. You shouldn't be keeping things in your life that do not make you feel good. This is just the truth, guys. And it's important to pay attention to this and how it exists in your world, not only in the physical, but in the emotional. There are things that don't serve us. I've had this problem and I've noticed this issue among many of my clients The person I am now is not who I was six years ago. The person I am now is not who I was 10 years ago. And I always kind of used to, I used to look at people like, 
I don't know if this makes sense. I used to look at people who went to high, I went to high school with and I would see them all still friends. You know, the same cheerleaders all hanging out still 10 years later. The same uh, theater geeks, which I was one of them, so except for me, are still hanging out and feeling good and, and, and getting together and making memories. My sisters are still friends with their friends when they were growing up. And I, I looked at that and I almost felt like, like, what the fuck is wrong with me that, like, I can't keep these friendships? That's how I used to look at myself. Why is it that I can't stay connected to people or share common interests with people all these years later? And what I realized, and this is really important, and I'll bring this back to my clients, what I realized is if you're that type of person who has a hard time holding on to things, um, if it's the right way, it's because you are just so quickly evolving and so quickly growing and so quickly transforming, and that's okay. In fact, if you spend your life wondering why and doubting your evolution and all the people you're leaving behind and you sort of feel guilty about it or you sort of uh, wish it wasn't so, it can be a real... In- preventer of your success it could be a real thing that holds you back because you feel like you can't spread your wings and fly because you're going to lose the people you love and you're not going to lose them you know Paige is a great example of this in all my evolutions (laughs) all the times I've grown I sound like a talking about a, a weird animal or something but in all of my evolutions um I've gone back to Paige. Paige and I have reconnected and every time it's like, shit, we've changed, but we're still friends and she still makes me laugh and she still makes me feel good. And, you know, I think there's something to be said for those relationships where you can disconnect and reconnect and do the growing on your own and come back and, you know, feel stronger than ever in your friendship. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that sometimes we use Holding on to things is an excuse. We use it as a reason because we're actually scared of changing and we're scared of growing. So seeing the friends around us as people we love that we need to keep is a good reason to stay safe. It's a good reason to stay stuck in our story, you know. Um, I don't know if any of this is making sense to you. I just feel really called to talk about it today and I, I'm hoping this touches your life in some way. And if it does, reach out to me um, just so I can know how this podcast is serving you. I think this is one of the biggest things I see in my clients is as they grow, they find themselves in these situations where relationships that used to be okay to them, like just make them sick (laughs) and they don't make them happy. And they find themselves feeling guilty about it. Like why is it, why is this person who I once used to spend so much time with just driving me up the fucking walls? And it's because that person is still the same person, but you're not. You're not. And that's really important to recognize. And it's really important to honor that. Because if you spend all of this time wondering why you don't fit into the old life that you created, you're never going to spend any time figuring out what that new life is that you're so ready to deserve and so ready to receive. And it's just around the corner. All you have to do is grab it and all you have to do is make that decision that you're ready to grow and you're ready to shed the negative and you're ready to receive more of the love and you're ready to make room for more of the love and you're ready to move forward in your life. 
that's what we are put on this earth to do. Every one of us has a mission. I firmly believe this, guys. When people ask me, like, oh, well, how did you, um, how did you feel that you had to, you know, go through this divorce? And how did you feel that you were married to a drug addict? And how did it feel to be homeless after? And all these things. And, and I say to myself, like, I don't remember how it felt back then, but I remember how it feels now. It feels fucking amazing that I could go through stuff like that, come out the other end more self-aware and more full of love than ever before. And yes, it takes work. And, and yes, it you know you may be going through the muck of it right now and you may feel like what I'm saying to you is impossible. But the truth is, is that if you start looking forward to all you are about to receive, instead of looking backwards at everything that you're trying to hold on to, life is going to be so different and life is going to be lived on purpose. And that's what this is all about. The Imperfection Me podcast is recorded by Lauren Liz of whatisperfection.com. For more tips, tricks, tools, and resources, and a little bit more TMI, check out the website whatisperfection.com slash join.